to Miracle Nutrition with Hardy White. I'm Hardy White. Join me now, won't you, for a full hour of talking about things, thinking about things, looking at things, describing things, and then wondering about them, and then telling your friends, and having your friends listen. They'll think things and wonder things. First thing you got to do is listen. Presenting the award for best sound, Butch Spinoza and Lou Register. Sound is all around us. It is something that we hear with our ears and it lets us know things that are happening sound-wise. Sound is a very important component in all sorts of things like radio, too. Here are the nominees for best sound. Blue Beauty. Honey White Sound. I have to go after her. Not in this song, you don't. But Blue Beauty. Blue Beauty can take care of herself now. The Hotel Show. Hardy White. Sound. He opens the lock. Enjoy your stay. Uh, thank you. Uh, uh, I don't need to register or give my name? Believe me, we know who you are. Fake Ozu thing. Hardy White, sound. You must be very lonely. Yes. I would be very lonely if I was an old man like you and my daughter moved out. Yes. Fractured fairy tale. Monkey King, Hardy White Sound. One day that stone transformed into a stone egg, and from that egg hatched a stone monkey. I'm a monkey made of stone. When the monkey stood, light shone from his eyes, and the whole world shook. And the winner is... Hardy White, Little Monkey Hotel. It's the Hardy White Show, starring Hardy White, with Hardy's guests, Butchie Spinoza and Lou Register. And now, here's Hardy. Well, hello. Stay tuned. And I'm back. Oh, my friends, sound, what is it? Sound are is waves. Sound are is waves that are moving through something, like air or water or jello. I don't know if you've ever put your ear to jello and you'll hear the ocean. Not our ocean, but the jello ocean of Saturn, which is made of ammonia. You can make your own. Saturn Jello ammonia with this easy recipe. Hey, I'm not a scientist, but I like to entertain kids. So I'll get a lot of chemicals from my kitchen and set them up for children to experiment with. They like to make mixtures of things. What will happen if I mix together this Windex and some flour or baking soda or maybe cornstarch? Well, you're going to make something. And it's that spirit of inventiveness. It's that 
adventurous nature that drives me. Oh, we're all driven, aren't we? I like to say that I'm a large robot and there's little people in my eyes who are operating it. And I think this was either a Doctor Who or one of those. But I imagine that there's tiny people that are sitting in my eyeballs and the, both eyeballs are like a bridge on the Enterprise and they're driving my body, which is like a big spaceship. And also the bridge can detach and my eyeball can fly out of my skull and fly around on its own if it needs to do any kind of adventure. On Voyage to the Bottom of the Sea, they had the flying sub that would do this. Every good ship has some kind of detachable dinghy. Do you? My detachable dinghy really is my imagination. And I'll go around saying to people, I'll ask them about, can I ask you about your dinghy? I'll say, is it detachable? And they'll think, is that, that's an 80s song. And I go, no, I know what you're thinking about. But what I'm really talking about is a tiny boat next to a boat, like a boat to the boat power. It's like a little thing over to the side that describes the boat up in the corner. How many times are you? Oh, there's a lot of me. Oh, my goodness, and I'm sure there's a lot of you, too. We are complex creatures, and there's very many elements to us. We can be a whole army of people. I like to say, though, I'm usually about a half dozen people, and there's some sort of stereotypes from an old 50s war movie. And I, those are the, all the elements of my personality. So Cookie, Cookie is one. He cooks everything. Stew pot, really, from South Pacific. And um, that's the element of my personality that makes food or sandwiches. So how is that really an element of your personality? Isn't that something we all do? Yes, but I envision myself as a sort of chef or cook. I have a confidence that I summon that isn't there because of any experience or anything. I don't know if you've met overconfident cooks like that. I prefer them to underconfident ones. I've been served incredible gourmet feasts by people that then say, oh, it's terrible, I ruined it. Well, yes, you just did. It's your attitude, because the food's prepared perfectly. But I love when somebody say, you know, I'm known for my spaghetti, and they serve you spaghetti. And just like the rap song says, the chicken tastes like wood. And you go, why is there chicken in it? And you go, exactly, I don't know. But listen, they said they, they touted their own cooking. And if you can tout your own cooking, if you can do anything for yourself like that, it's both repulsive and self-sufficient, isn't it? It's nice to be able to, I serve myself, but also I'm a servant unto myself. Don't get that tattooed on you. I'm not sure about that one. I come up with a lot of sayings, and then I think, I think that's bad. If you take it to its extreme. What I'll do is if I I'll come up with a saying, I will burn it on a piece of wood, like with wood burning, in beautiful cursive. I'll hang it on my wall for a while. And if the motto sticks, I will abide by it. If it turns out to be bad advice, I will then burn the whole piece of wood while chanting the opposite. So I'll be, you know, don't live, don't laugh, don't love or something, I'll say. Um, mm, I didn't come up with that phrase, that phrase. That's not mine. I, uh, I have very little advice to give. Oh, my goodness, I was hoping that you would bring some advice and I could help serve it back to you. That's really what I am. You know, I just went to one of those restaurants where you bring your own bottle of, of liquor, or not liquor, you know, wine or something. You bring beer, bring your own beer or wine. They don't have a license there, but they don't mind if you 
if you eat it or drink it there. I said, can I also bring my own Middle Eastern food? And they say, no, that's what we serve. I said, okay, now I get it. But you bring that. I would like you to bring to this show, imagine it's a restaurant, and I want you to bring your own advice. You let me know what it is, and I will tell it back to you. So really, and there's a slight uncorking fee. And that's really just your donation to the station. You already did that. So thank you. You're amazing. Oh, I think I'm still allowed to thank you because it's right after the, the marathon. And you all are wonderful. I'm so glad to have you out there, my extended family. Oh, we're just like real family in that we don't know even if we're related or I never see you. Or you, If you join one of those sites where they tell you who you're genetically related to, You'd never guess it. Also, those people don't want to hear from you. That's what's so amazing. So say, oh, we're family. Dear uh, John in Minneapolis, turns out we're related. It seems that your great-grandfather and my great-grandfather were brothers. I was wondering if, no, they don't, you know, go away. Um, I have new family, and it's my friends, my co-workers at the miniature golf place that I work on, that's my new family. Also, I'm an actor, so every play I am in, that is my family, until we're not in that play and that I don't remember who they are. Some of them I will ghost, just like I do. I have cousins that I haven't spoken to for a long time because they're dead. A lot of them, are, some of them are dead. Others, I just haven't, I don't know, we lost track or something, the live ones. I feel less bad about the dead ones because what are you going to do? But the live ones, I guess they could still be reaching out. I'm reaching out. They just can't see me. So I'm in a constant state of reaching. I don't like to bother people. I wouldn't go so far. I'm not going to go so far where I contact them. But, oh, I don't mind sending out positive energy. Like, oh, bless you, whoever you are. I don't remember how we're related. If I need you, then, that's the thing. If I wonder if I, I would not bother them if I needed an organ. I don't think, um, but I may, you know, you'd look people up who are like you. So if I needed a new face, I, would, I wouldn't look up for a relative because a lot of times your doppelganger is not related to you. So if you say, hey, I'm just contacting you because I need a new face, I'm tired of this one, and I see that you have one similar to what I would like to look like. And I was wondering if, 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 if you want to do a, fl a swap, here is a link to, you know, the movie, uh, Face Off or something. I don't know what you want to do. Get them prepared for that idea. In, in the future, though, I don't think you'd have to alter it. We could get glasses that could tell people how we want to look. I don't mind being, see, maybe I'm crazy, but I do think it would be lovely if people, if individuals would be the ones who could tell you who they are. I don't know, instead of the state. Or, or some kind of uh, oppressive uh, board of demons. Because I know a lot of people say, oh, I wish we were governed by some kind of demonic council. And they would make, it would be so much easier to make all the decisions for us. I don't like having to think things through or empathize. I do, though. Oh, my goodness, I don't mind putting my heart out there. My heart is made of sort of the same thing as like Stretch Armstrong or one of those I guess they can be broken, but it's a foam. It's a foamy substance. And yes, you can beat on it, and I feel it. 
but it doesn't break. It do, well, it breaks, but it goes right back together again. It's, just, it's gruesome. It's like an emotional Wolverine, the comic character. You know, he feels the pain, but he just keeps repairing. Oh, I do that because I like to be open. I don't want to be afraid. And I'm so, have a lot of fear. Oh, don't we all? I'm afraid of people sometimes. I'm afraid of being an outcast. I'm afraid of being mocked. I'm afraid of having someone punch all my teeth in or something. I'm afraid of violence. I'm afraid of all those sort of things. Just pretty normal stuff. So I love joyous experiences. Recently, I was in New Jersey. And my friend Greg, who you all know from the station, he said uh, he likes to, to, to drive me places when I visit. He said, let's, you know, let's see New Jersey. And I'm all for that. So this time we went to the shore. And that was lovely. And we went to Asbury Park. And you know it from all the things that it's mentioned in. And there's a place there that has a vintage pinball. And we went into that place. And I walked over to a machine. And it was a very strange machine. And I knew that it was special immediately because it had lights that were from like another dimension. It just, I'd never seen anything like it. They were, they were surreal. It wasn't real light. It wasn't a light from this world, I'm telling you. It glowed like the, the throne of God as described in Ezekiel. It was a sort of blue, deep blue sapphire and purples and, and reds that were redder than any uh, blood or rose or anything and flashing in a white light that just contained some sort of... Uh, felt like something that was alive it got into me you know this spirit and it spoke and it said come play this machine and it was one of those places where you don't have to have any quarters oh no you walk in and you play a fat uh, a fat fat flat fifa flim i'm gonna try it again a fat it's a fee but it's just one fee like it's flat and they put a bracelet on you that looks like you've been to the emergency room previously. And you say, oh, I've been in the emergency room because I was drinking all night, but I've staggered in here to play some free pinball. And you come in and, you, and you, you gravitate towards the machine that called you. And in this case, this machine was calling me. And I, I knew I had to play it. And I looked upon it and I gazed upon it and it looked familiar to me. I said, I've seen this machine before. I knew this machine from college. Uh, and it was, it was an 80s machine, and it was called 8-Ball Deluxe. And it looked me in the eye, and it said, stop talking, start chalking. And maybe it didn't, but I expected it to, because I think that's what it used to say. And I released that, that plunger. And I don't know what it's called. Is that what it's called? And it, it hits the silver ball. And then what happens is physics. The silver ball is propelled, and there it goes. And then in this particular bay, it goes into a kind of basement. It goes to the basement of the uh, machine, and it has adventures there. And it goes, you can hear it. Hey, how you doing? And uh, then you go off, you have a drink, and you come back, and uh, it pops up again. It pops its little head up. It goes, well, how you doing? You go, fine. And then it disappears again. It's, I'm going to be in some cages in the back. And you hear it digging around in there, 
And you think, am I really playing this? Is this really a game? Because I'm, you know, until it gets down to the flippers, it just seems like it's fate. I don't know whether there's a certain finesse, you know, when you when you pull that uh, plunger back, is there a subtlety to it? Then if I hit it just right, it'll get a million points or something? Because otherwise, I'm just sort of waiting, and here it comes, ding, flip, 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 flip. And I flip it, and I catch it with the flippers, and I, I balance it on there, and I flip it back towards the places I want, and bing, and a bang, and a boom, and I'm getting all the points are racking up, and people are starting to gather around, and they, and they say, no one's been this high on this machine before, and I go, I'm pretty high, and they go, your score's good, too, and I go, score's good, and then uh, this, this light came out of the machine, this light, and, it was, and then I was sucked into the machine, just like that movie where they do that with the video machine i think it's tron but this is a pinball machine and all of a sudden i'm i'm in the machine but i'm not in the machine i was just in a different part of the building and uh, i was like that was weird and they said well that's they used to put those in the 80s ones especially the ballet machines and everything they would have a transportation device and they would use that um it was an option. So you'd be in a bar, you're playing pinball, and they say, hey, you know, your, your significant other's on the line. And you press this little button and you're in the parking lot. Well, they hadn't disabled this, I guess, on this machine. And so there I was. I was outside on the boardwalk. But I wasn't outside on the boardwalk in our present time. Oh, no. It had thrust me backwards in time to the 1920s when Bruce Springsteen used to play out there. Not him, but his grandfather, um... Bruce Bruce where they Springsteinstein they dropped it they changed the name when they came over but uh and he was out there playing in the 20s when the when the little Tilly symbol now you've seen that Asbury Park has this funny smiling face called called Tilly but that's based on a real person who had this horrible big grin like that and um many more than 32 teeth some say up to 68 and uh, there was a, would, that was the person who had lived there before it was a boardwalk, before it was any kind of amusement place, and, and, and continued to live under the boardwalk till he did, eating crabs, or I don't even know, things crawling on the ground under there. And so I was transported to this time in the 20s, and it was so amazing it only lasted very very briefly and the next thing i'm knowing i'm on my back and greg is slack slapping me he's going wake up wake up we're going to get pizza he didn't say pizza that would be my, like grandmother said that most people say pizza but she was like you know oh do you like pizza i go i don't know what that is and everybody would be pretty baffled when they came to my house and for a long time i thought that my grandmother was from another country so I said, well, you know, I finally said, where are you from? And she said, well, you know, outside of Philadelphia. And I go, okay. Out by outside, you mean the moon? Or do you mean like, how outside? Because I don't even know people like that might speak there. Um, I haven't explored that. I'd love to go back and sort of look, not for my roots. I don't want to, let's not even do that. I'm, I want to go forward and see my fruit, not my roots. <laughs> no, you know what I mean I, I just feel like in the future I'm going to have a fruit named after me I don't know why I feel that way I think it's probably going to be a berry cause it, and I think I'm just saying that because a boysenberry and Knott's berry that's not a type of berry they invented boysenberry God, I'm confused 
And I'm thinking of probably that because they have an amusement park, don't they? Do all jellies and jams have amusement parks? Now that I'm thinking about it, they might. And I think there's a peanut butter one. We have a peanut butter factory here in town, and you can smell it. And I remember having that happen to me in Orlando, driving by a place that made orange juice, except it didn't smell like orange juice. It smelled like somebody was cooking oranges, which is really not a great smell. So it smelled like burnt oranges because they have to cook the orange juice to get the bacteria out of it. Otherwise, you know, fresh orange juice can kill you. So it's all pasteurized. Boy, that guy, Louis Pasteur, you'd go over to his house and you go, you got to, do you have to boil everything? Everything was boiled. You can have some wine. You go, wait a minute. I got to boil it first. And you say, Louis, what's up with all this? He goes, if you could see, if you saw what I saw, if you knew what I knew, you'd boil everything in your life. And so he did that. And, you know, milk, whatever, boil, you, you name it. Um, before that, they, they, didn't, uh, they would just serve raw low country. And he said, no, you must boil your low country. And then he started that. And it really changed things, you know. When Once we understand that there are invisible things that are trying to kill us, both literally and figuratively, we will start to boil things. And I would love you just boil the show. You know, heat it up. It can withstand that. And get rid of, burn anything at it that you think would hurt you. I would never want to do that. You know, sometimes I'm giving it to you because I think it's fresh, but like milk from my farm, it may have something in it that may be harmful to you. We are not all at the same strength at any given time in our life. You know, sometimes we are vulnerable and things uh, can affect us. And I have no problem accommodating vulnerability. I see that some people do. And I would say, well, I have bad news for you because there might be a point in your life where you're vulnerable. And you're really, really going to want to be, have a reputation of having been compassionate at that point, or, or certainly before taking care of people. Because when there's a lot of things you can't do for yourself, you really, boy, you start to like others. You know, oh, you're so kind. you damn right I'm kind, because you're helpless. So let's transform the world and all be like that so that we're, don't even have to think twice about helping and being helped. That would be lovely. But as you know, some people are not going to be with that. And that's all, that's all right. We, those of us who are will find one another. How? Well, I think by projecting things on the moon or on clouds with very strong lights. And I, I realized this when I, I knew the power of projecting that you could project things on buildings. They do it now for art and everything. It's just gorgeous. You know, they'll take a plain building and they'll make it look like it's being blown up by the Nazis or the, oh, and now Mickey Mouse is coming out of it or now it's a big rose or it's a bug or a lion is jumping out. And, um, you know, you add on top of that, if you're drunk or disoriented or anything, it's just fantastic. It's a great way to live. I'd love to be fooled. And I, I don't know if you do. You know, the senses are wonderful and they guide us through our lives and they provide pleasure and all sorts of things but you know what else the senses do 
See, they are a little bit inaccurate, and so often they are completely wrong. Let's take sound, for instance. Now, as you know, I won an award uh, just recently at the top of the show for best sound in a show by Hardy White, and that was me, and I won it, and I gave it to myself, and I came up with the award and conceived of it, and then I accepted it from myself. And you say, well, that doesn't count. How so? Because what I see... is a lot of people that are not willing to give themselves credit. And when you're not willing to give yourself credit, you may have actually just cut off the one source of credit that you're going to get. You know, because I'm not going to go through my life without a pat on the back when I can absolutely pat my own back. You know, I really need to do it. When I do something that I'm proud of, I acknowledge it. Can I do it all the time? No. I found out. That's why it's special. So when I do something that's really special, it's special. Because I can't do it all the time. Now, it's me who's doing it. So I take, you know, I don't make the, uh, the thing so precious. I've had people destroy my art before. I know that sounds weird, but it's happened. And so I had to learn the lesson that I'm the art. That uh, the source is what's important, not the things that come out of me. They're going to disappear. Oh, they're temporary. I have had the experience where someone will say, here's a quote from one of your shows, Hardy. And I'll think, is it? Because I don't remember saying that. It's funny. And, and, but I really don't remember that. I wondered, did I say that? And I must have meant it at the time. And I think I still do. But I certainly didn't pack it away as like, hmm, going to use this one again. I just let it spill. And oftentimes, everything I say is not important. And, and I've been, it's been pointed out to me that there's this sort of like, you know, wheat and chaff thing going on. And, well, that's not, can you imagine culling through all this chaff and all you get is a, wheat, a little piece of wheat? I was there with diamonds and stuff. What do you have to go through to get diamonds? Just rock? South Africans? I don't know. Is it worth it? It isn't to me. I mean, a diamond has no intrinsic value to me. And it doesn't even have any value with something that represents millions of dollars or power or anything. I don't want that. If I had a big diamond like that, I'd give it to you. No, I wouldn't. I'd give it to my worst enemy. So you take it. You deal with it. Because there was diamonds like that, big ones, that ended up being, like I think the Star of India and the Pink Panther, being actually cursed. You know, and people would own it, would have troubles. Yes, of course. Because when you have a lot of something, you got a flash and you go into, I'm going back to my own neighborhood, but wearing, I'm going to wear a million dollar necklace. All right, why would you do that? But go ahead, you know. uh, I don't have anything, really, that you might want. And you're welcome to that, all of it. Free sale. You can, oh, can you, that's, let's do an experiment. I want you to have a yard sale. And one, one, uh, one weekend, I want you to put a bunch of stuff out on tables and mark it all free. And the next time, go out there, similar stuff, almost the same stuff, but put, you know, pretty, pretty good prices on it and see what happens. Because I think people are reluctant to take free things. Like, what's the catch? Why is this free? 
Why am I not paying for it? Why do you think this is worthless? So you might you can put something very valuable there and say, yeah, this is worthless, it's free. Some people might not take it. Conversely, you know what? I've changed my mind because I put things at the curb to throw away and people show up and take them. They will really literally take anything. So I don't know. That's not quite right. Maybe in a store, maybe a fancy store do that. That'd be better. Because if you just do it in your neighborhood, you're right, there's, there's pickers. They take things that aren't really being offered up because they're, maybe they're just so close to the road. I've had that with lawnmowers. If you, sometimes if you leave your lawnmower in your driveway, people go like, oh, he's getting rid of that. It, it could be running. I had someone take a running one. But, you know, that's maybe they need it too. Maybe they need that more than I do. I never think that when somebody steals something from me. I think that sucks. I guess they need it more than I do. I don't know. Let's, I'll steal it back and we'll see. I would be willing to do that. Um, I had a bike stolen one time and I thought, this is going to be pretty easy to find because that's just the worst bike. I'll just look for somebody who's just, you know, a few yards away on my terrible bike. Now it's your problem. So, um, I've done that with like, I'm going to, you know, this thing isn't pea soaked, but I'm going to pea soak it and then put it at the curb. Go ahead and take it. And, um, but they will, people will bless their hearts could be infested with something, you know, don't take this it's infested with bugs. I'll fix it up. I'll get it running. There's no getting a mattress running. When, I approach a new situation. Let's say I'm traveling as I was recently in New York and New Jersey, and I had to approach some new situations that I was not familiar with. You know, you walk into the city and there's all sorts of things you encounter. You know, they've got these subways, they call them. No, nothing's really shocking to me. I get a little turned around, you know, in, in big cities and everything, but I generally know how to act. I try to act as if, you know, I'm not in your way. That's a big one because people are going to work and I'm on vacation and my pace may not adjust to yours. So I'm going to get out of the way on the sidewalk and everything and not be a nuisance. That's one of the things I try to do. And the other is um, sometimes I'd like to run my own scams. I mean, I'm from out of town and, and uh, it's not very often I have that many people just walking by on the sidewalk. So, you know, I have my scams my little scam where I hand you, um, I hand you one of my FMU premiums and then, um, ask you, you know, you start to walk off and I ask you for money for it. So I got a little money out of that. Some people walk off with them, which is cool because they're blank. And, uh, it was just nice to, you know, it's nice to do your thing in a big city. I always think, can I make it, if I can make it here, I can make it anywhere. They say that about New York City, right? If you can make it in New York City, then you can make it anywhere. So I ask you, my listener in Atlanta, Georgia, who, who are the newscasters on New York One? Oh, whoops. Well, maybe it's not true. But there's, I think that it's conceivable that if you made it in New York, you could make it anywhere. But I think I could list probably 100 local performers that you you know, I've not heard of.
Let's revisit that. I wonder where it is that you could make it there, and then you, if you make it on Earth, you could make it at any similarly popular, pop, populated planet that had, the, had a similar atmosphere. But I don't know if there's any city like that. Because you can be really, you can be local famous in some very large cities and nobody's heard of you. You know, when I started on radio, you get compared to a lot of people, you know, and say, a lot of people would say, oh, uh, uh, Hardy, you're great. You know who you remind me of? Captain Kangaroo. Nobody said that. Who would they say? Well, they would say people a lot of times. And uh, maybe I'd never heard of that person, you know? And it's, that's very interesting. It can be a lot, really big part of someone's life locally. I mean, I can't even imagine. You know, I used to listen to this fella in Tallahassee when I was, uh, I was probably a teenager, you know, 17, 18, and I'd be up way too early. Or maybe not because I maybe hadn't gone to sleep yet. So I was up like 5 o'clock, 5.30, and there was this fella who did the farm report. And I guess it was, it was leftover vestigial from a time when people... We're like, I'm up doing the farm. I better see the farm report, make sure there's soybeans. So I, don't know they, so I don't know what they tell you. I guess they tell you the rain probability. You know, don't plant those seeds today. Because if you if you were planning on planting, I don't know, what 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 uh, name a thing? Brussels sprout. Brussels sprout. Now, name something else. Uh, a kind of pepper. If you were trying to plant a type of pepper today, the weather's not quite right for it, and this is the fellow that would tell you so. But he would have other things to say, too, because this can't be just farm reports. So we'd give a little about the weather. Maybe he'd read some funny news articles, you know. Here's one today about a guy what made a bike out of bottle caps. And you do that and all that, and I love that. And to me, this guy, and I remember his name. His name was Roy Lemaire, I think. And I think he was out of Thomasville, Georgia. And he was on the farm report, and I thought, well, Roy Lemaire must be, he's like the most famous person in the world. But I don't think that he was, looking back. And this happens to me on radio. Say, oh, you know, do you remember so-and-so? I go, no, because I'm much younger than you think I am. And also, I'm not from Chicago. So there you go. But our worlds, you know, they're relative. Something can be wonderful to you. For instance, maybe you like this show. Say, oh, I love that Hardy White. And you go somewhere and say, do you know Hardy White? And they go, no. And they say, well, you, you, I think you might like him. And they say, oh, probably not. And they go, this is something. Well, listen to this podcast. And they go, I don't listen to stuff like that. And you go, and there you go. So I will always mean something to you that I do not mean to uh, your cousin Michael. And so that's fine. And we have worlds like that, you know. You can be huge in somebody's world. We are all players. We are all characters in different versions of little movies that we're in. It's all wonderful because, you know, you can do anything you really want with that character. If it's really important and significant in this particular film, the film of this individual's life, the film that is their experience on Earth, why, you can invest that character with a lot of great things, a lot of positive things. You can be more than you thought you could be. You can make a difference to that person. You can be a sort of hero. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine that you could take that kind of place in their life by just wanting it? saying I'm going to I'm going to give something to this individual I want to be 
in their world, in their story, some point of strength, of light, of joy. And that's what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to be a character in your life. You're living in a play, and who am I? I'm a stock character, yes, maybe, maybe a Scaramouche character from the Comedie dell'arte. <laughs> I can't remember all the, they've got other kinds of characters. Um, I'm so-and-so, and I'm always like this. That's not very good. I'm glad I don't teach any of these subjects because the lesson would usually end with, you look it up, look it up, somebody Google it. But that's what I heard. I want to be that for you and or whatever you want me to do, you tell me. So you're doing the casting, really. Who do you want Hardy to be in your life? Probably not, please not the villain. That would be, I, would, I don't want to do that. Um... I'm Hardy's going to be my nemesis. No, I don't want to be your nemesis. You're my nemesis now. No, I don't want to be nemesis. I imagine you're everything I'm against. Oh, please. You're going to please don't talk to me anymore or I'm going to uh, cut off the tips of my pencils. Oh, don't do that. I will not. Oh, my goodness. It's very. I find it very easy to get people not to talk to you. I have the opposite problem. So, you know, I've never, gosh, I've, I wonder if I've ever said to a friend, we're not friends anymore. Usually, probably not said it. That's something maybe you scream. But I haven't done that either. I haven't screamed in a long time. Uh, probably something I need to do. I've not found a place that feels where it's appropriate. I was walking down the street. Where was I? Oh, I was in New Jersey. I was in Jersey City. And I w must have been near a school or like a day school, probably. And it was, you know, it was around lunch and, and the kids were out to play. You know, I'm thinking four or five, something like that years old. And they were screaming like the top of like just the most high pitched screaming like somebody was cutting off their little hands or something like that. And, um, but you know, screaming in terror, like it's, it, it was indistinguishable from terror. If you were the standing there and you were the teacher, you'd realize nothing was wrong, right? They're just running from each other and screaming like that, like there's a bear chasing them. But it's not. It's just little Timmy or something. So I was thinking about that, you know, and how the rest of us, uh, as I was walking by that and hearing that, I saw all these people. The shuttle had, had stopped. Um... And people were, the one that brings you to the PATH train, and people were getting on buses, I guess, to go wherever they were going. And they were just so quiet, all the people, and all the children were screaming. And I was thinking, I bet they would love to scream. I bet all the people on that bus right now would like to scream. And there's just no good, appropriate place. We're just so repressed on purpose because we can't go around screaming like that. Adults can't go around screaming. But where do those screams go? If you're not, they got to be still in there. I don't. Are they just the providence of, uh, is that the right word, of uh, children? Or are we all filled with screams like that? Screams of joy, screams of terror. Let me feel these things. I guess that's why we go to cinema. 
we go to the cinema and we experience that sort of terror and some of us are moved to scream. I saw Alien in a movie theater in Fort Lauderdale when it was released and I've never heard such screams. The audience was not shy and they yelled, at, you know, why are you doing that and everything like that at the screen screaming and it was lovely and I thought we were I feel like we're just there in another room on that ship on the Nostradamus or whatever it was called. There we are with Riley watching her get that thing breathing on her. Mmm, frightening. And I wanted to scream, and often I want to scream out of frustration when I see injustice. Oh, I want to scream every day when I read the paper. I don't think it used to be that, that way. Could you imagine that? I used to read the paper and go, all right, mmm, yeah. Oh, what's... What crazy thing has President Ford said today? Hmm, whip inflation now. Ah! Get me out of this madness. Deliver me from this. No, I didn't, we didn't scream much. I think we just nodded off a lot. But, you know, if we had really been in touch with other people's suffering, I think there would have been plenty of screaming. I think the lack of screaming sometimes comes from, you know, just not being able to see. But let's open our ears right now. Let's see why this is an award-winning show for sound. How could you win an award for sound when you just it's one person talking? Well, occasionally I do other things. I like how we're really talking. I'm really talking like I actually won an award when I'm just making it up. I feel like it says the same thing. I feel exactly as if I had, though. There's a way of sort of validating yourself where you think, I might as well have won an Oscar because I feel like I did. Now, sometimes people resent that. You know, oftentimes if we're feeling good, we need to keep it to ourselves because people do get resentful because they think you didn't earn it or something. You are not justly feeling good. You are deluded. And that's why you're joyous. Some people get kind of mad sometimes. Or you think you're so good. You think you're a good cook or a good artist. But I think if you don't tell anybody, you know, what's the harm? I could see if you're going around bragging or something, you know, I'm a great artist, and, and, and clearly you're not or something. It might make somebody who's trying hard at it feel bad, but I don't know. If I'm secretly confident or I secretly pleased with myself or I secretly love something I do, I don't see the harm in that. You know, I don't know that I always, I only have the one life. And so I'm a lot of times, I'm secretly happy because I don't, you know, I don't want to act, I don't want it to seem like I'm, um, don't deserve it. Because you'll see that on, on, that's what's amazing to me about social media is there is a propensity to encourage uh, negative things, you know, negative feelings, and to sort of uh, emotionally urinate on positive ones because we are doing some judging and we want to make sure that some people are feeling the right things because otherwise it will make us feel like we're missing out or there's an injustice or it's not fair. It isn't fair that he gets a pony. You know, you could have a, I want to just have these, uh, I tell people fables, you know, um, 
about the little girl who got her own pony and then the pony ate her and stuff like that because I don't I don't think that a lot of modern people realize that you know you're only seeing a little bit of people's lives and you think they're getting away with something but every one of these lives every person you see on the street in New York City everyone that you see in your daily life ends the same way they die every one of these lives ends in death every single one of these attempts to keep one alive is ultimately futile we are all in this together sometimes there's joy sometimes there's pain there's always need there's always struggling we are all struggling Every single one of us that's alive has to eat this need to eat, this need to stay alive. It takes some effort and it takes resources and it takes energy and it's hard to stay alive, much less healthy. We are all struggling. Sometimes we forget that and we think that others are just cruising along and oh my goodness, everything that happens to them is fine. Oh, look at that. They're drinking champagne. What you don't see is that cancer cell growing within them or something. What you don't see is their psychological pain. Oh, all you see is them getting something you don't have. My dogs act like that. If I give one of them a snack, I got to give all of them a snack. They don't stand for that. Hey, you gave it to that one. We know what fairness is, but I'm telling you, it all works out in the end. If you take time out of the equation, if you take time out of it, yeah, any slice of things you see looks all messed up. You take any slice of time and it's not going to give you an accurate picture because everything is in flux and everything is changing. So your life might be fine right now, but not be fine tomorrow or vice versa. And I like to interfere in that. I like to step in and say, I am only here to give you something that's going to make you feel a little better, I hope. I don't want you to feel angry, and I don't want you to feel sad. There, there, you could do that on your own. Very few people need help with feeling angry or sad, I find. What they need help with is lifting up. Listen, it's a sort of gravity effect, right? We're struggling. So that always pulls us down. You fall. You have to make an effort to stand up. We're fighting against that. Standing up is a futile fight, ultimately, against gravity. But most of the time, you see people, they're winning. They're winning the fight against gravity, just like they're winning the fight against death. And we're all right in the middle of that. And there's a way that we can transcend it. And the way to transcend it is acknowledging that behind everybody is a struggle. Everybody's in the same boat ultimately. And it uh, behooves every single one of us to lend a hand. Oh, to amplify that joy when we can. To make people's lives a little better. It's not for any great reward in my opinion. I can't see that logically. I can't see unless there's some sort of sky parent I'm missing, and there very well could be, but I think this coincides with that too. It'd be fine if there is a sky parent. They will be pleased at my idea, and my idea is this, that we take care of one another. We take care of ourselves and one another, and we lift each other up, and we look out for one another, and we try to fight against this gravity, against this time that's eating away at us. 
we try to uh, push back against it and we try to grab little pieces of joy. Oh, where are we? Fine, then we try to pull these little pieces. Hey, if you are hungry, that little piece of wheat is a feast and you can pull that out of all uh, the, um, the chaff of my useless words. And they may be, oh, everything I say to you might be just rubbish. But be like the pickers. Try to find some use in it. Try to repurpose it somehow. You know, not just, uh, you know, Vicky repurposes things. Vicky Bennett cuts them up from other films, makes them something completely different. I do it in a way with ideas, and people do it with me. They take my voice sometimes. They'll cut, I'm going to cut it up and put it on, you know, in music and sing it. Well, hello, well, hello, well, 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 hello, or something. I don't know if they just stop that. <laughs> Maybe not. Uh, but you're welcome to. People don't like sample stuff like that anymore, do they? People don't sample stuff like that anymore, do they? People don't sample. People don't sample. People don't sample stuff like that. Yeah, you can do that. And I'm sure you could. Or make it like uh, a lot of the DJs here have a nice a nice little loop on your, when they're talking. Your DJ speaks. And so have a little thing under it where I'm going, hey, yeah, you know, well, hello. Well, hello. Well, hello. Well, that's all we have in time for today. Well, hello. That was the first number. I can't do it about the same time. I wish I could. Oh, my goodness. I almost made it to. You can. I'm looking. I'm speaking into a multi-track machine where I could have done that thousands of times, been thousands of hardies doing that, but I didn't. Why? Well, because I have, I have chores to do. I got some cleaning, and so I can't be here all day. No, I can be day this is all day this is taking all day i think about you all day i think about the show all day i think about our interactions what i'm going to say i think about my ideas listen that trip to asbury park where i played the pinball machine i knew that would be something i knew that i would internalize that experience that i would make sense of it and it might have been on the face of things just ordinary banal even you know but to me it was potentially transcendent it was different than something I usually do. Therefore, I had the potential of noticing things that I would never usually notice when you're outside of the familiar. The whole world lights up again and you see it like a child and you can have that childlike awe of the world. It's strangeness, it's mystery can come back to you. You've got to put yourself outside of the zones of familiarity. And so when I entered that pinball place, I was in somewhere different and I could be in any time I wanted. I could be any person I wanted. I could imagine it being anything I wanted. And all the details were flooding in. Everywhere I looked was something new because I hadn't been there before. And you can't do the first time of a place more than once. And so I knew I was making first-time memories. So when I stood on the boardwalk in winter, because it still was winter in March in Asbury Park, and looked at that, that old building where they have the shows and stuff where they sell t-shirts and you know and I looked at that and I let it I let it sear onto my brain you know like the, the things that they used to have screensavers on on old monitors on computers because if you left the same screen up it would burn into the 
to the screen it would burn it in and you could always see those little files those little icons would be there forever and so that you would have the computer play this like thing of fish swimming by so that it would never but but i wanted this image to burn onto my brain i wanted it to burn there permanently so i could retrieve it like it was a photograph that was always going to be accessible to me and i'd always be able to come back there to the first time so if i go there again and i will go there again It'll be connected to that other time. It'll have some dimension to it. It'll feel a little thicker, a little realer. It's more than a slice then. You know? Because life is a big Taylor ham. It's a pork roll. That's what your life is altogether. And you cut it up. And you can cut those pieces real thin. And there's something very different when they're real thin. Than when they're thick. And then the whole thing is also very different. And so I was going to order a whole one, but they're very expensive. And you can't get it in the packets here. So just saying. That's a New Jersey thing, I guess. I guess some things that we just have to accept that we can't have. I'm not going to be able to have everything. I don't pine for it. Because when I do get something I don't expect, oh, what a beautiful surprise. Oh, I'm so glad that we are friends. I am so glad that we're in each other's lives. And oh, yes, we are. We are in each other's lives. Boy, if you're listening to me right now, you have let me in. I am a character that is uh, beyond a human being. You see, I exist on a level outside of the mind of the person that is creating these words. When I float around, I belong to you too. It's impossible not to. You see it happen all the time, you know. I could go on the radio and create a character and say, I am Dr. Won't, you know, and Dr. Won't becomes beloved, and then somebody else plays Dr. Won't, and then Dr. Won't goes in the imagination. There's fan fiction, Dr. Won't, Dr. Won't, this and that, and you imagine Dr. Won't doing all sorts of things. It has separated from the artist. It's come right off of the... Was it ever on them or was it always floating in the sea of ideas that stays in life even when we leave? All those things stay here. Hardy White stays in this world when the person uttering these words is dead. I will continue on just because it's, that's, just how, that's just how it works. All the words stay here. All the music stays here. All the thoughts stay here. All the feelings stay here. They stay here always sort of permanence to them. It's us who are impermanent. It is us who are visiting. It is us who are the wind. It is us who are a temporary song. Because everything else sort of sticks around. And if anything's going to stick around and endure, I want it to be the wonderful things, the best things of myself. Not the things that are redundant the destruction is redundant you know because there's already volcanoes i don't need to be one there's already earthquakes i don't need to be one there's already storms there's destructive storms that kill that wound i don't need to be one i'll be something else that doesn't exist i will be the creative force in the world i will be the thing that heals and repairs that doesn't just stick around. That's got to be a coordinated effort of us, these uh, strange ephemeral beings that float through this world that are ghosts, that are so full of something, and that something has no substance. And yet I'm sending it out to you, and you feel it, and you know it. And we connect, and you understand. 
mysterious. Doesn't get any crazier than that. Doesn't get any more mysterious than that. Radio doesn't get any stranger or better than that. Let me tell you something. If I can reach the depths of your very soul, if I can get into you and into your mind in the deepest place, if I can go past all of the defenses that let you lash out, that bring out your anger, that defend the core you, the beautiful, bright light, the amazing, transcendent you who has very little substance, but that you know is real because you feel it. And this thing we're in must be real. It must be. And you understand that connection and we have used this ordinary thing, radio, which people used to sell you soap and things like that. Hey, we're giving away tickets. We're giving away pizza. We are giving away free concert access and records and a car new car courtesy of new car cars and all and then we're giving away a lot of things we're giving it away you are buying it you're going to be richer hey we're selling stuff you're buying stuff i sell you nothing i want nothing from you i want you to take this free thing that takes up no space at all and i want you to forget where you got it because i'm so confident that this thing will make the world better that i don't need credit i don't need you to trace it to me i don't need you to remember me. I don't need you to remember where you got it. All I need you to do is to value it, to treasure it, to pass it on. I want you to amplify this, this feeling of joy that you can't quite put your finger on, this feeling of potential, this feeling of getting rid of all your preconceptions, all these worldviews that tie you down, that oppress you, and your mind frees into a wonderful space of possibilities, of, of solutions and you can go there. I won't take you there with me. And then I'm going to sneak off like I'm leaving an old dog at a farm. You are listening to Miracle Nutrition with Hardy White on WFMU East Orange, WMFU Mount Hope, 90.9 in Rockland County in New York City, New York. <gasps> and online at WFMU.org worldwide. Freeform Radio. Amazing. I am so grateful that you are with me, and I want you to join me every week like this until there is no more. I want you to bring all of your wonderful uh, uh, strangeness, all of the your feelings that are conflicted and odd and all your crazy, disoriented, confused self. Embrace it amplify it and go out into the world and transform it in a crazy way shock it and i'll see you again next week
Thank you.